you ever notice how it just keeps destroying everything in its path, but it never looks down? My name is Matthew Kroll. And check this out. She's the monster. My name is Shahir Dad. Welcome to the only podcast about movies. Specifically the film Colossal. Colossal. Great title. It is a great title. And for a great title, we need a great guest, Shahir. We do need a great guest. And that's if why... only we had one right here, we do. <laughs> and that's why Skyping in all the way from down under Australia, c- close to my homeland, close enough, close enough that most people actually mistake me as an Australian <laughs> while I'm riding the subway in New York. Uh, we've got the host of ABC's Movie Land podcast, CJ Johnson, joining us all the way from Sydney. How are you, CJ? Good morning, good evening. So you're talking when you're on the subway, are you? I, I mean, you know, look, <laughs> I talk to, my, I talk to myself and, and people seem to, sometimes people are crazy enough to respond to me. Yes. I see. <laughs> I, I, when I first started listening to your podcast, I, I assumed you were Australian American just because there are more Australians than New Zealanders. And that's true. That, that, that's very true. There's a very small population of New Zealanders there. But I, I presume that you reached out because I, you thought I was a New Zealander and you were bridging the Antipodean divide. What, it couldn't be my glowing personality that people across the oceans want to just talk to us? Is that no? Uh, I'm going to go with a no. No, I reached out because I saw a childhood of a leader and then I decided I wanted to listen to people talking about it. And you were about one of the only two podcasts in the entire <laughs> world to have a discussion on childhood of a leader. Uh, for once, we were, our name was almost true. Yeah, the only podcast about <laughs> movies. Uh, no, I pre- one podcast away from it being true. Yes. Uh, I appreciate that, CJ. I appreciate you uh, reaching out to us. And I think um, for listeners who uh, haven't uh, tuned in, I was on CJ's podcast um, a few weeks ago talking about uh, Asghar Fahadi's The Salesman, which was another film that- The I Salesman! Think- yeah, Sorry, every that, time. Yeah, yeah, every Matt, time. Every time Matt's <laughs> got to do that. Uh, which was another film that we were one of the only few people talking about. Um, but I think what's been happening, uh, which has been interesting, is that CJ and I have been real, maybe having sort of a uh, a long distance internet bromance kind of happening Aww. right now, which is that, which is that I, I mean, I'm speaking on behalf of CJ here. You might be disagreeing with me. <laughs> Just as, disagree. Make it real awkward, CJ. No, 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 no. Uh, but it no, seems come like, to the table on that. <laughs> uh, it seems like we have a lot of uh, cinematic taste in common, um, which is, which is really fun. Even to the point where the song that you chose for the end of your Asghar Fahadi podcast was actually a song I happened to be listening to that day on the subway. Um, a track by Max Richter. I so uh, I, I would have been enjoying that. was that. a colossal piece of synchronicity. Yeah, it was. Ah, wow. There you go. You well, see that? He, he's already doing this. He's already moving the things forward that we never do. He's merging them. So if you like uh, what you hear, you can check uh, uh, CJ on his podcast, Movie Land, ABC, uh, ABC's Movie Land, which is available on iTunes and all the usual outlets. I'm sure it's a very popular podcast. Um, CJ also has a show on Skippy TV called Watch This. CJ, what's the, uh, what's the address for that? Where can people find that? Uh, just go to Skippy TV. That's S K I P I dot TV. And there are about four programs on that channel. And one of them is watch this. Great. And then finally you, uh, you can check out all of CJ's reviews on filmmafia.com.au uh, for all your written reviews. Um, yeah, that's right. And if you're, if you like uh, CJ's work, you might like some of our work, which you can reach us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. See, CJ, is, did, CJ did the transition better. Yeah, we could have just Matt gone. Matt is shaking his head right now. Yeah, no, going, I mean, that was, I'll give that, I'll give your transition like a four. CJ's was like an eight. Look, this is going to be even worse. But my, my transition was a colossal failure, would you say? Uh, <laughs> even it out at a solid five and a half now. Uh, yeah, no, keep going, keep going. You can reach us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up uh, on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Check out us on our Facebook page and also check out our website, onlymoviepodcast.com. Uh, but this week, we are going to be reviewing a film where I think our uh, CJ and my internet bro- internet bromance might be diverging slightly. Whoa, whoa. Is it going to be tested? Are you guys... It, oh, I think, man. I think I think this is going to be our first real uh, uh, our first real moment. We'll see how it goes. But the movie we're reviewing is Colossal, a new film by Nacho, Nacho Vigalondo. Um, <laughs> you messed it up. Nacho Vigalondo. Yeah, he did it. He yeah. fixed it. Uh, yes, Nacho. Thank you very much, CJ. Um, <laughs> See, this is what's must, what it must be like to to be professional. Yeah, I know it's something that we just don't. <laughs> we have. don't ever do. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have. Um, I honestly, guys, didn't have any connection to this filmmaker whatsoever. I had heard of one of his films, V slash H slash S. Oh, that's the only one um, you've heard of. Yeah. So really? I was. I feel like I was out of the loop. Um, 
I'm literally out of the loop because he the film he's most famous for or most well known for, other than being nominated for an Oscar for one of his short films, uh, is a film called Time Crimes. Uh, CJ, have you seen Time Crimes? I haven't seen any of Nacho's. Oh, really? Work, Am I'm I afraid. the only one? Not in the even room. the short film. Am I the only one in the room? I feel special now. Uh, you guys yep, need to. I s- haven't seen Open Windows either, and yeah. um, I Extra haven't seen VHS. Strong. I think I started VHS and I didn't enjoy it. VHS is an anthology, and film, so right? yeah. He's a brand new filmmaker to me as well. Oh, okay. Well, listen, guys, go check out Time Crimes because Matt, in particular, I mean, I think both of you will love it because it's a fantastic movie. Okay. But, I, but I think it, Matt, you in particular will love Time Crimes in that it, it's a great genre film, but it's also really smart and it does interesting things with the time travel genre to the point where I would say it is probably one of the best time travel movies I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, All right. It's right up there. Up there with Primer uh, compared to Primer. Well, so here's the thing. Primer is a film I've watched five times, and every time I watch it, I still feel like I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> um, I, I I am a fan of Shane Carruth as a filmmaker, and I had, a, I had some role in getting uh, his film Primer into the New Zealand Film Festival many, many, many years ago when before he won Sunday. Was this before or after you were almost a Black Power Ranger? Before. <laughs> no, probably around the same. No, it was after I was a, almost a black belt. Okay, C- yeah. CJ, I've been trying to piece together <laughs> Shahir's <laughs> sword history. Then he was telling me he's got, he was a Power Ranger almost, and he's going to get into raves. Now he's helping Primer get into film festivals. I need a timeline. Well, you need a timeline that I works. I know, it's in- fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot about me that you guys don't know. Um, my striptease history will come through, come soon through. Um, but uh, Primer- That was a three. Yeah, that was a three. three. Primer's a movie that I- striptease in New Zealand. It's really tough. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we're not- uh, Power scra- Rangers striptease. Yeah, oh! Scraping the bottom of the barrel for, <laughs> for if you're going for male strippers in New Zealand, especially uh, on this side. Um, but uh, yeah, Primer's a movie I-, I I really like in principle, but I don't enjoy if that makes sense. You know, I can see. I, I understand the statement. Yeah. Um, but Time Crimes is a film that is not as complex as Primer in terms of what it's trying to do with time. But it is it is uh, it's one of those time travel films that's wonderful to unravel, uh, unwrap as you watch it. And it does really, really cool things with the time travel idea even while it kind of you know because it's low budget the technology that it uses as a time travel device are very very low budget and doesn't really make any attempts to 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 do that better um it's a really really terrific film uh uh, nacho sold me i'm definitely going to seek it out because i love primer and the concept i love looper yeah i like triangle and the concept of such a film is right up my alley i like i like time travel movies that actually wrestle with the time travel conundrum effectively and intelligently. In fact, it, it does it in a way that is almost so simple. You kind of go, Oh, I'm wondering why no time travel film has actually done this before. Last question. Is it anything like Terminator Genesis? Mm, oh, actually. No, don't. See, I was on board with seeing it. <laughs> actually. Well, how? No. No, just in terms of the machinations of how it uses time. Travel. Oh, I was doing that as a joke, and now I poisoned the well. No, it's definitely nothing like Tim. Uh, okay, then I'll see it. Um, And uh, yeah, like you, uh, CJ mentioned before, I haven't actually kept up with uh, a lot of his films because I don't feel that they've made impacts, although I like the idea of his film Extraterrestrial, which is a film about... Um, uh, Kanye uh, West and uh, Kate. Katy Perry uh, having yeah. sex in space. I saw the music video. Yeah, it's pretty much that. Yeah. Also, it's, uh, you know, this little green uh, creature phoning home with an AT&T card. But um, <laughs> no, it's really, it's it's about uh, an alien invasion where where a guy has just met what he, who he thinks to be the love of his life uh, and has to deal with this alien invasion in the background. So again, he's doing that thing, which is he's taking a sort of big high concept genre thing and and moving it around in a slight different way or, sure. or looking at it sideways. Uh, the other film is uh, Open Windows, the film with uh, Elijah Wood and uh, Sasha Gray, I believe. Um, what? Yeah, you know, she was a movie star as well for, for a short period of time on okay. Entourage. Um, Sasha Gray from Girlfriend Experience? The Girlfriend Experience, yes, absolutely. We're all going to we're all gonna just okay, avoid, the, uh, avoid the obvious of saying we know who Sasha Gray is uh, outside of her <laughs> cinematic reel. Yeah, Sasha Gray from The Girlfriend She's Experience. She was the that humanitarian uh, yeah, yeah. activist. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I actually really like her in the girlfriend experience as well. I really like the girlfriend experience. Oh, she's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's a real. It's a I, one of that was one of my favorite films that year. Actually, uh, the girlfriend experience. I think it's a really good movie. So, so I love that movie, and I love see? the television series as well. I haven't watched the television series, but I'm I'm I've been meaning oh, to catch love it. it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So you so you can see already, CJ and I have a lot in common. But right, Matt, so tell us a little bit about Colossal. Well, hold on. Even before girlfriend that, I've experience wa- television series has a connection to Shane Carruth too. He does music. Oh, does he? And I, oh, I forget the director's yeah. name on uh, the Girlfriend Experience TV series, but he did a film called Clean Shaven, uh, which I really, Lodge really Kerrigan. like. Was, Sasha, Kerrigan, was right. Sasha Gray also in Clean Shaven? Ah, Matt. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just asking a question. We were talking about a topic and I just didn't know. And I'm just trying to piece things together. No, I have a question for yeah. both of you gentlemen. To be fair, that was a good segue. Uh, thank you. Uh, so... Uh, the other sort of divisive thing before we actually get into the plot and the and what we think about this movie in particular, even the synopsis, how do you guys feel about Anne Hathaway, especially CJ? Well, who, how do you feel about do you like her work overall or not? I've always loved her. I've always been a huge Anne Hathaway fan. I think she's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even if you go back to the Princess Diaries um, and which I sort of half watched the other day because I've got a young daughter, mm-hmm. she is Excellent. She has always been good. I guess she's a teenager in The Princess Diaries and she brings a vibrancy and a professionalism and a quirkiness and she does more than just, you know, do the lines properly and do the physical moves. She brings her own personality and her own sense of humor. So I think she's absolutely fantastic. I don't understand why there is some sort of anti-Anne Hathaway camp because in my mind she's done everything Properly, unless there's a whole realm of tabloid gossip that I just haven't seen and she turns out that she is on a personal level some kind of asshole, I don't understand why people don't appreciate her because I think she's excellent. Yeah, I'm in the exact same camp. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think it happened to Gwyneth Paltrow around the time she won the Oscar as well. All of a sudden it was cool to hate on Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, everyone Uh, loves someone until they can tear them down. I mean, that's sort of the way it goes. I can more understand. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Weird stuff on the internet that just makes you want to run. But but that happened. But Anne Hathaway just seems... Yeah, I and I, I got to agree with you on that one, CJ, as well. I think, I mean, I've never seen an Anne Hathaway performance that I haven't liked. And the film that she really sold me on, that I kind of fell in love with her as an actress, is Rachel Getting Married. I think she's wonderful oh, in that yeah, movie. Totally. And it's a, just a wonderful film in general. Um, so it's it's one of those weird things where I was like, why do people hate her for being good at what she does? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, I think that's, I, I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think people hate her because she's good at what she does. I mean, you can even watch, you can even watch to a point of uh, the Jennifer Lawrence uh, phenomenon where like she, everyone loved her because she's so real and she's so real and then she gets too popular and then some stuff happens and everyone just starts hating her and now she's fake real. And you're just like, I just, these, this is the other thing I think too, but when we, when we have this sort of a hatred for an actor or an actress as a, as a, as a a group i'm not talking about the three of us just uh the populace in general it's like yeah it's just this weird sort of like bandwagon effect that just doesn't need to happen and uh i yeah. i don't fully understand it I don't what, know. I, what i love about the marketing of this movie as it's coming out is that that uh the this is kind of seen as the redemption of anne hathaway in some in some respect as so it, strange it's so strange it's, it's part of the it seems to be part of the marketing of this film is like oh people are reminded oh yeah anne hathaway she was such a great actress like she had to take a, like a year off or a couple years yeah. off to like get out of this like stink and oh oh this is my other point like, so these, these great actors or actresses that people start hating on, it's probably because they said something that wasn't fully like exactly likable all the time. Like obviously Gwyneth Paltrow is the exception because she has a little bit of crazy sauce on the internet all the time. But the, but the, like, I know people didn't particularly like Anne Hathaway's Oscar speech and okay, who gives a crap? And then it's just sort of this weird, like they're not perfect people. They're people. They're going to say stuff. I have people, I'm sitting across from a person, TJ, that says stuff that pisses me off sometimes, but I don't like write him off. Like it's just, I think we forget sometimes that these people are not just built to be our like, uh, dancing entertainment forever. And they actually have opinions and they might not jive. That doesn't take away from any talent they may have. So if it is the, if it is the Oscar thing, it could also boil down to the fact that there are people on the internet who just hate movie musicals. They hate them. True. And so when the subset of those people that were pissed off that she won an Oscar for being in a musical in a role that only sang mm. 
but that's getting down to a small amount of people. Yeah, it is getting down to a small amount. Yeah, and I, I'm I, I don't understand. But, but but Matt, tell us a little bit about the Anne Hathaway redemption story. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what IMDb says, gentlemen. <clears throat> this is the description: a woman discovers that severe catastrophic events are somehow connected to the mental to the mental breakdown from which she is suffering. Uh, I, I, that seems almost retrofitted. Yeah, yeah right. Entirely. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we tend to read out the IMDb synopsis of, uh, of many films we do. And I think this one doesn't quite apply. Um, no. but- uh, bad, bad on you, IMDb, for once. This, that didn't work out for me. Um, we have a couple. So, so basically, um, I don't know. I mean, who wants to give a little bit of a first thoughts about this thing? Well, can I just say this about my experience going to Colossal? Oh, please. Absolutely. Yeah, I went to see Colossal uh, probably nearly a month ago now at a media screening. So I knew nothing. I managed oh, wow. to really, really, really keep myself very, very distant from it because the moment I heard whatever, I don't know, a year ago, that Anne Hathaway was doing some weird movie involving you know, a monster, a Godzilla-like monster, yeah. mm-hmm. I was able then to not find out anymore because that idea thrilled me so much. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that Oscar winner Anne Hathaway has chosen to do such a quirky project. So I really, absolutely, I didn't even know her co-stars. I didn't know that Sadaikis was in it right. when I went to see it. And I had no idea what her relationship to the monster was going to be. I'd heard vaguely that maybe it was also some sort of rom-com. That was it. So I saw it cold. So I got a, I got a, luckily a very pure viewing experience of this movie. Nice. You, you got the experience that I hope to have every time I go to the movies now. I would, I, I can imagine the moment that, and this is a, not a spoiler, but the, it's, it's in the trailer if you watch the trailers, but the moment that Anne Hathaway realizes that she is the monster, so to speak, in some respect. She's somehow connected to it, yes. You must have been like, oh my God, that's, this, that's what this movie is, right? I mean, it must have come yeah, as totally, a, yeah. Yeah, that was a nice big surprise. And and uh, uh, Matt, here's an interesting thing about my experience of going to the movie, which is that you texted me immediately afterwards, I, immediately after I walked out of the movie, which oh, was some sort of a weird telecommunication. Oh my God, were you my monster? <laughs> you knew where I was at that oh, moment. Oh man. But you, you were like, I think this is going to be a really interesting discussion. I don't want us to share notes with each other at all. Because occasionally we will look at each other's notes before we start, a, start an episode. So I, what uh, I, before we do our own personal reviews, Matt, I'm curious what you think my opinion of the movie would be. Oh, wow. Oh, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> because you, cause you seem to, you, you really wanted to like do this proper. Um, what do I think you think? Yeah. I, th- uh. <laughs> we'll see. I, I. I'm going to have to say some stuff that I think about the film in order to get sure. to that point. Why don't point. you go first then? Um, because my, my opinions will then paint what I think your opinions are. Um, first of all, I really respected uh, this for attempting to basically twist uh, a genre that actually, even with the trailer, is kind of kept a little bit secret, uh, twisting it into a sort of kaiju-esque Mm-hmm. film i mean that that is something that i hadn't seen before and i think that's uh, kudos to nacho for actually trying to do that i also think and this goes into how i don't even quite know how you'd react here i think this is a really hard film to review mm-hmm. uh there are a ton of flaws in it uh and i can totally see why uh people wouldn't like it or you know i've seen it get panned a bunch of places uh, i mean the, in my opinion these are just sort of going down the list the camera work is pretty boring soundtrack isn't great uh, you know, whenever it tried to go back to any sort of explanation of exactly why these things were happening, I was like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actors kind of tend to play more tropes than characters, which is usually a turnoff for me. But I think both Sudeikis and Hathaway uh, actually do a really good job of that. More on that later. And the comedic timing is, uh, in this film is just off where you don't know if something's supposed to be funny or not. And I even had that experience in my theater. Like people were laughing at moments and I was like, what are you? what is wrong with everyone but me in this theater? (laughs) Right. Um, All these things kind of make for an uncomfortable and kind of confusing movie going experience, which I, I, I can see why, again, people wouldn't like it, but I also see when you sort of get into sort of what it's more about uh, later on, and we'll get into this in spoilers. It actually, I feel like, all of those things strengthen it as a project, not necessarily as just a film that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm, I know I'm sort of teasing and teasing and teasing, but with that all in mind, Shakir, I think, see, cause you could come at this from two different places, buddy. You could come at this from a purely technical standpoint and just hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could come at it 
I, and I, well, I don't know. I, I, oh, I, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I painted you into a corner. You kind of did. I, I mean, I, you hate fun. We, <laughs> CJ, we both know this, right? I mean, this is, that's Shahir's MO. But he kind of likes Childhood of the Leader, and that movie is nothing if not fun. <laughs> <laughs> please go back and listen to, please go back and watch Childhood of the Leader <laughs> to see what Shahir's idea that of fun is. is. is a buoyant romp. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful coming of age tale. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, Shahir. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah, it's a ro- <laughs> So, all right. Don't I, go to Six Flags CJ, I'm or any amusement park. Just go see Childhood Elite. CJ, we're going to hand it over to you uh, after after my point because I want you to have uh, the final word before we get yep. into spoilers. But Sweet. Matt, you're not incorrect in anything you've said. I, I think this movie has some some really, really glaring flaws that are are um, very difficult to, to look over. Um, but that said... Um, I hope somewhere Guillermo del Toro is watching this movie and, and has a huge smile on his face because to me, what this film does is it makes the Pacific Rim idea of a movie into something actually interesting. And I'm, uh, a little bit of backstory here. I think the first movie Matt and I went to see together was Pacific Rim. Was it really? I think it was. And, and we both walked out of there it was probably the seed for this podcast happened in that, at that screening, which is that we walked out of there and Matt was like, I really like that. And I was like, I hated that movie so much. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't stand Pacific Rim. I love Guillermo del Toro as a filmmaker, but I just, I found that movie so boring and painful to watch and uninteresting. And what I loved about Colossal is despite all its flaws, I love this idea of taking the kaiju film and looking at it sideways and, 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 and turning it into the battle of the sexes. Now, yes, it has major problems. It has major logic problems. It jumps tonally from comedy to, to hard drama in some cases very abruptly and to the point where you're not quite sure that it was intentional or accidental or the director doesn't quite have a hold on this film. And I, and I would argue even though that is true, you could you could certainly see that maybe the director doesn't have a hold on this film. It still works. And like you say, Matt, it's kind of the the joy in this movie is watching it kind of unravel and and go in in directions you don't expect it to take. And it's anchored by two really good performances. Uh, Anne Hathaway is great as usual. I really loved her in this. I also lo- I I loved frumpy Anne Hathaway, um, which is not to say her look, but just just this idea that she you know this person who we've come to associate uh, with being prim and proper and perfect at all times is just kind of down on her luck here. I and- took it as Catwoman without the that's skills. That's when she becomes that's when she becomes sexy Anne Hathaway. Oh right, like in Rachel getting married, and in this one, as soon as she's you know got alcoholic rings under her eyes, and you know she's a kind of a bad girl. She goes from pretty pristine Anne Hathaway to sexy, dirty Anne Hathaway. <laughs> well, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Catwoman Anne Hathaway, to be honest with you. But, you know, that I think that has more to do with the film. That's more to do with you yeah. hating fun. I think that's one of the only good spots. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Did you say the only good Spider-Man movie? Only good spots in the uh, movie. Yeah, the only uh, good Spider-Man movies with Anne Hathaway. I don't know. I didn't know what you uh, So, look. <laughs> Catwoman. Yeah. It, this is not, this movie's not a genre smasher. It doesn't like, it's, it's not like Scream is to the horror genre. But to me, it twists what we know and think about in terms of the kaiju film or the or the the monster movie in a way that is really interesting and almost the 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 highest praise i would give it is it to me it makes a film like godzilla and i'm talking about the gareth edwards version and pacific rim seem a little silly by comparison which is that this is this takes it and does something really interesting with it something where i actually care about the stakes something where i'm actually invested in what's going to happen um, to a genre where I'm generally not, don't feel that way often. All right. So, so I kind of loved it. Um, CJ, I've read your review. Go ahead. I hated this movie <laughs> and I, I think I can only discuss hating it as a whole. So can you issue your spoiler alert? Because everything I hate about the movie kind of starts at the halfway mark. Okay. All right. So now, ladies and gentlemen, CJ's calling it, man. It's going to be spoiler time. And uh, yeah. We're heading it in three, two, okay. one. Go for it, CJ. Yeah. 
The first half of this movie had me thoroughly intrigued. I was enjoying it, and Hathaway's performance is excellent. Jason Sudeikis, I've always enjoyed him. His performance was excellent. The town was intriguing. The, her reveal of the fact that she is, um, you know, she is running the monster that's destroying Seoul every night at 8.05 p.m. was fascinating, and it was an intriguing movie, and I thought whatever this is going to end up being, it's doing it well. I, I assumed it was going to be a rom-com. I think we were all led down that path that she was going to end up with Jason Sudeikis and that the obstacle in the way was the young sexy boy that she wanted to have sex with. And of course, the other you know elephant in the room was the fact that she was a monster and as it turned out, Jason Sudeikis was being a monster too. Halfway through this film, and this is the spoiler of the film, it stops being any of those things and becomes a battle of the sexes drama. And it slows the hell down. And there are very, very long, boring, boring scenes of Jason Sudeikis going on these boring monologues about disliking women and his lot in life and how his life has been ruined. And that scene in the in his bar with Anne Hathaway and Dan Stevens and him is interminable beyond belief. It's like, it is literally like you suddenly ran into a slow motion machine or they ran out of footage and had to reach their running time and it becomes laugh free and that is obviously deliberate. It becomes a drama and it tries to, it's already been a very, 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 very heavy handed metaphor for alcoholism, obviously. Obviously, like so heavy handed that it's, that's the one thing that I disliked about the first half is I was like, okay, we get it. The monster is our alcoholism. But then it tries to be a a um, metaphor for domestic violence. And it, it treats that subject idiotically and boringly. And I just hated the second half for all of those reasons. I mean, this he his character, Jason Sudeikis's character, who takes over the movie, he has all the dialogue in the second half. He has most of the shots. He takes it over from Anne Hathaway and she becomes sort of a minor character in her own movie until the end. His stuff is boring and we get it and it's laboured and belaboured over and over and over again. And also the way that they deal with the the fisticuffs the domestic violence the men's violence against women stuff i think is is not well done and not particularly well thought out so it's interesting it's interesting uh you both brought up uh the term battle of the sexes sort of film mm-hmm. and it's funny that's what i think it becomes i don't see i don't think it at least for me mm-hmm. it didn't do that at all i think it's more on uh, to your point cj a a um it's a film that yes in the beginning because it's supposed to be you think it's kind of a bit of a rom-com a heavy-handed you know uh, allegory for alcoholism or or addiction sort of in general um and then i believe the sort of domestic violence stuff is is just sort of again tacked on to that sort of angle of um alcoholism or the the effects of it and more 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 so the reason why I think I like this movie beyond all of its broken parts is because, and I was going to kind of save this for the end, but I do feel like rather than going through like kind of what we normally do with this thing, it is more interesting to just sort of discuss um, the reasons because it is kind of a polarizing film. Uh, this movie uh, kind of got me, it got me in the right part of the feels. And I think it's because, and I don't want, I don't want to turn this into a downer gentleman. Uh, (laughs) but I have had experiences in my life, uh, dealing with addicts, um, and alcoholics. Mm -hmm. And it's an interesting thing to say because all the things that you said, CJ, for instance, like it got long and boring. And then these, these spikes of these sort of things. And then like it felt uneven and all this stuff, uh, you know, the experience you get in the second half of this film, I don't know if I've ever watched a movie that has felt more closer to dealing with an alcoholic in the middle of their, of their, in the, in the depths of it. You haven't seen leaving Las Vegas then. Yeah, no, but but you know what I mean? Like this, for whatever reason, a lot of the, a lot of the, 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 it's funny. It's stuff that you're watching. You're not liking it. Like I didn't like watching parts of this movie, but it got me thinking and feeling, especially after sleeping on it. I had slept on it before I wrote up my notes for this thing. Uh, it, it feels so much like dealing with an alcoholic that you're close with. Right. And, uh, 
that's and I, I think that has to do with again a lot of the performances but again you, you mentioned how Jason Sudeikis kind of takes over and he absolutely does and it's sort of it, it becomes I don't think it becomes a battle of the sexes even though there's definitely some domestic violence sprinkled in there I think it becomes about and, and it moves in a couple different ways but it becomes about sort of the fallout that a alcoholic or an addict has on the communities around them. Obviously it's exacerbated by being uh, halfway across the world. And if they step into this certain playground, they become these monsters in another country that then <laughs> smash and kill people. Yeah. Um, and then, it, but then it becomes it, Anne Hathaway's character basically becomes sort of self-aware to the point where she doesn't want to hurt anybody. She tries to clean up her act where Jason Zudeikis is it's again, it's not even at first we thought like, Oh, maybe he was jealous or, you know, he wants to like be with her, but it turns out he was just always sort of jealous of her. It, it wasn't even like a desire thing. It was just he wanted whatever she had uh, through a couple different things. And he wants to be important. He's not happy with his lot in life. And he just uses this power that they've had to try to keep her and hold some sort of sway over her. The kind of the way, you know, alcoholics threaten to do certain things in the depths of their own thing to keep the people around them involved. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just it's an interesting take on it. And I don't know if it's because a I love kaiju movies and B uh, that this sort of uh, really made me feel shit that I had kind of forgotten about and not wanted to deal with. Uh, but it was it was such a it just felt so much like that experience. And that's why I again, it's so it's so weird to say I know I'm rambling. It's so weird to say I enjoyed something, but like I didn't enjoy watching this movie, but unless it lucked into this, which it totally could have, that doesn't mean that I don't think this movie's awesome. Right. Uh, you do think it's awesome? Or I you don't? do. I, even though it's, it's not, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, you are, you are a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. You guys talk. I just talk for a long time. Um, I'll, I'll, well, I'll I think, go ahead, CJ. Go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say that, um, it's interesting because I think that everything you're attributing to it exists within it. Like it is meant to be a, it's trying to be a very good movie about alcoholism and do all the things that you just mentioned. In other words, that's all there. I just think they're all done very badly. I think especially after the halfway mark. I think the the way they load up Jason Sudeikis' character in the second half with his problems and with his attitudes towards her and his attitudes towards the innocent lives that he's risking and all of this, I just think are done very, very badly and incredibly heavy-handedly. I think, you know, the alcohol metaphor starts quite well in the beginning of the film and it just gets belabored and belabored and belabored. And I think, you know, they give Jason Sudeikis too much. I think by the end of the film, you are sick of seeing him talk because he is not able to bring enough variance anymore because his character becomes such a one note monster and stays a one note monster for, for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, really, really long, long segments of the film. And that, and that experience that you've just described it, and, and, and you know, I'm not asking for any facts from anybody else. I'm just giving my own is the exact experience that I have experienced when dealing with uh, a, a, uh, an alcoholic because it's 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 just it's just work and it's tedium and it's nonsense and you're dealing with garbage and you're trying to push through it and you're trying to push through it and and that it's it's so weird to like this film and again i i have to keep using the term it could have lucked into it uh but it it just felt like it used all of these flaws to its advantage at least for me that's and again, it's such a straight because again, I don't disagree with any criticism you're giving it, but yet for whatever reason, I think it's a a, a bonus. So CJ, one, I again, I uh, I'm sort of fifty fifty on this on on your point, um, which is that hey, I actually don't think the 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 way alcoholism is treated in this film is is belabored by by the end of it. One thing I I was kind of glad about is that the film never actually really uses the term alcoholism or uses the term addiction. It seems to be just there. These are people that are clearly addicts. We know they are. Um, we can see it in their, in their actions. We don't need to actually talk about it. None of them are trying to get therapy. None of them have a moment where they, uh, re you know, suddenly have their, um, their moment, um, where they moment of clarity, their moment Sudeikis of clarity. kind of does, but he does exactly what people in the situation do. And then he just jumps right back to the same old nonsense. Um, I will agree entirely that I think the tonal shift from 
uh, so Dacus's tonal shift, and it happens in one scene. There's one scene in particular. It's the the firework in the bar scene, which is such a such an abrupt abrupt tonal shift, and it, it's such a strange moment where you actually don't understand why he's doing anything he's doing. Um, mm-hmm. is is really problematic. It's not handled very well. Also, the graphics for all the big monster stuff they couldn't get fired down. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the the <laughs> as a as a compositor myself, I, I noticed that. I was like, oh man, that screen burning in the same spot for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but what I did like about this film is it started out as, you know, what you would expect the traditional rom-com to be. It's the girl who's going back to her hometown. She meets up with an old friend, you know, slash old flame, and they rekindle. I their, never got flame. Uh, they, they, they rekindle their relationship. No, they... <laughs> They, they, never, they were always only friends. Yeah, they rekindle their friendship. You know, they rekindle their thing. And, yeah. and obviously he is a, um, a single man. She is a single woman. We presume that, you know, this is where this is going to go. What I really like about this film is that the second half sh- illustrates how much, how inappropriate everything that Jason Sudeikis does in the first half uh, how inappropriate everything he did was, you know, like he turns up at her house with a TV, he gives her a job, he uh, provides her furniture, and he presumes that that means that there is some potential for a relationship there. And it's classic kind of male stalker behavior. It's classic, um, it, it's, it's classic sort of romantic comedy behavior, you know, like in romantic comedies, when a guy likes a girl, he does all these things for her. He pines after her. And usually in a, in a, you know, in a fairly typical romantic comedy, he, ju- he, he usually gets the girl. And what I like in this movie is that that shift is you realize halfway through this movie that that is not even a possibility for Anne Hathaway, even though she's friends with him, she's not in any way romantically interested in this guy. And, you know, to the point where she sleeps with someone else very, very easily um, and has no interest in Jason Sudeikis' character. And that drives him crazy. Now, I agree, the tonal shift doesn't work, so to speak, but I liked where the movie went. If that, you, you know what I mean? I guess what I'm saying is I don't like the way the movie got to where it was going, but I liked where it went and where it turned. Um, and, you know, as far as, and, and I liked that, that Sudeikis himself ter- started as this kind of nice guy, nice guy, romantic comedy kind of figure and ended the film being the villain in, in every way, shape and form. I don't think that the, the reason that they're kaiju and, you know, like as they explain in flashbacks really works at all. I think it's a, it's, it's, it, yeah, that, that is a, that sucked pretty bad. That that's done pretty, really badly. Um, but the the thing that oh you mean the flashback to when they're kids yeah, the, yeah. I, I think that was done really really badly and it yeah, added nothing was, to the yeah, film that was terrible that was terrible it was like here's a piece of revelation that doesn't work yeah exactly. it just it just doesn't work and it and it adds nothing to the film but what it does what that entire sort of milieu of Hathaway Sudeikis and the uh, the third person um, played by uh, Austin Stowell, uh, Joel, the kind of like yeah. mild mannered um, lover that she takes on, who uh, like doesn't help her at all. Yeah, his his character motivations are very flawed. Yeah, and weak. when he's sitting in the truck with Sudeikis, and yeah. you're thinking like, hold on, just what 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 did what I know. Why are you there? Upon further reflection about that character, because basically he sort of stands idle by and uh, lets Sudeikis uh, run amok and do some horrible things. Um, it's it, it, but it almost is is akin to an enabler. A, he's, an enabler. A, he's an enabler, but also and then there's he's an enabler. But then if you look at even after the this glorious uh, bar scene where he lights a firework off in his own bar and basically destroys his own bar, saying it's the most it's the most irresponsible thing I could possibly do. But even after doing that, she's not going to leave with you with this other guy, her boyfriend Tim from New York, and then she doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it that is typical b- burning down the house literally yeah, addict behavior. And then people that are also in that embroiled stuff, either that are also addicts themselves or or just it, that care about the person uh, for whatever reason, they don't leave because you can't. Right now, again, so I, I agree. You know, I agree with all of that. That that it that it's problematic. It doesn't work. Things are things are handled kind of. Uh, in a muddled way. But when this film gets to its finale, where, where essentially what the, you know, you're, you're kind of talking about the, um, the third act buildup um, before the final, the final confrontation, when it gets to the final confrontation and Anne Hathaway kind of takes the reins back from Sudeikis yep. by flying to, and again, spoilers at this point, flying to Seoul to, to, to do the inverse monster thing. I really love this moment, even though it has 
the biggest logical inconsistency of all, which is that people are still hanging out in Seoul, <laughs> um, where this monster appears. It, it make that makes that no drove sense. me crazy. It, it it is crazy. Because if you're going to do this thing, you should have at least an interior logic. And by having these people constantly going back to eat noodles and drink coffee <laughs> in the footsteps of the monsters that have been appearing, it just was in. Uh. I mean, it it never dealt with that appropriately. I will say this: I was trying to think of it. I was again, if if you start thinking about this film. Uh, in a logical sense, it does just melt away. Yeah. Um, but the, the interesting thing is, I would know to go to Seoul to do that. I mean, that makes no sense. But the interesting thing is, I was thinking about this, Michael. Why would people stay? I mean, okay, they 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 said very briefly that they cordoned off a part of the city where the monster came. So like they're nearby, but the monsters never went further than a certain point. But then the other thing would be, if monsters started doing this in real life, if they just appeared and whatever. You know, and again, they didn't paint it like this, but you know that people would go there in droves to see it for themselves. Now, you're, you are right, both of you, in the sense that the, what the people we see are just the typical people running away from a monster that look like they're just going to work nine to five or six days, you say, just eating noodles at the shop. Yeah. But like... You know, I, I thought about it and I did the whole circle of like, this makes no sense. Well, what if it was kind of like this? Oh, you know what? I don't, it doesn't really matter for me. Like it just, it's, yeah, that's it's, the thing. it's it kaiju did, fodder. It didn't really matter for me. And what really did work for me was Anne Hathaway stepping up to Sudeikis at the end and grabbing him. Now, <laughs> as soon as I say that, her throwing him into the into a mountain, like- Team Rocket is blasting off again. You know, like literally murdering him towards the end of the movie did like, like make me go, huh? But I can't, I, so what, I guess the way, the reason why the movie worked for me is I was willing to accept that and, and, and deal with the movie on a metaphorical level. And on a metaphorical level, I actually think it does work on a literal level. It obviously doesn't, but no. it's also about anytime I, it tries to explain itself to mm -hmm. be like set in a sort of real or like make enough rules where it would make sense. It, it falls. So I don't know if so, I, so Shahir, yeah. on a metaphorical level, then what does the ending say? Does the ending say that if you are being physically abused by a male friend that you should murder them? No, I Is think and I think I think that's the literal that's the literal interpretation. I think the metaphorical interpretation is re, is she regains her her power in that relationship by showing him who's actually in charge, or by showing him that she has power in this relationship that he's not going to rule over her. He, he it's a classic sort of bully fight back, you know, like that 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 she's doing, and it actually it worked for me. It was rousing. I I felt it. I believed it. I believe that she had taken a turn for the better at that point and that she was doing something to, to do it. Is it the most mind blowing exploration of domestic abuse or, 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 uh, bullying or, or alcoholism? No, it's not, it's none of those things, but it, but it, I felt that the film was being sincere in that moment and it worked for me in that moment. And, and I had a smile when she, when she, and you know, just the other side of it is I like the way that the machinations of, of, um, using the metaphor are played out through this sort of high concept kaiju thing. You know, like I, I think that that was actually very clever and it gave me enough of a sense of how this film could deal with genre in interesting ways that really just put a smile on my face. Uh, and you know, I, I can't explain it more than I think it, I think at the heart of it, this film is sincere about what it wants to do. It does stumble many, many times and it does fall over many, many times. But overall, I'd much rather see, here's the, I guess maybe this is the other point is, I can't for the life of me remember or care about any of the human drama in Pacific Rim or Godzilla or most of those big monster movies. Here's a big monster movie where I actually am engaged in what the characters are thinking and what they're doing and what the outcome will be. I'm actually interested in these two people and the way that they're going to deal with it. So I think, you know, right. at, at least at a, at, a, at, a, at a genre level, I think that, that Nacho Vigalado, uh, oh boy, butchered again. Nacho Vigalondo has done Vigalondo. Vigalondo. Vigalondo has done something really interesting here by looking at the genre sideways, and he does that very, very well. And I and and to me, I like I say, I would rather take I'd I'd take this film with all its flaws over Pacific Rim any day of the week. Uh, over ten I Pacific Rims. Putting, the, putting those two movies on the same page is just, to me, ludicrous because it's so obviously <laughs> not a, a big action monster movie. It is it is a movie about human relationships that has these monsters in it to, to be this metaphor. And I don't think 
you know, I don't think it has anything to do with Pacific Rim because I don't think it's a big monster movie. It is a, it is a film about, you know, violence and alcoholism that starts out by pretending to be a rom-com. If anything, the cut of this movie that I would want to see or the alternative version of, of this movie that I would want to see does not have the kaiju at all and huh. cuts away a lot of the boring stuff in the second act and is simply a film about this woman who goes back to her hometown and discovers this old friend who's become a grumpy alcoholic and kind of violent and then she leaves and realizes she doesn't need to be around him <laughs> i really don't think the kaiju have anything to do with it and in fact i think the kaiju kind of just uh, every time you cut back to them towards the you know the second half of the film i was just bored by them and I, it feels like the genesis of the film to me was like, okay, let's do something quirky with Kaiju. And as they were writing the script being like, oh, we can make this more serious than just a rom-com. What if it's actually about, you know, also about violence and men and bullying and all of this. And at some point it just got mixed up in all three ways. And so there were a few good ideas on paper, none of which ended up being executed well on their own. See, I think, I think the thing is you and I are looking at the, at this movie from a different point of view, which is that, I mean, the film that you're describing without the kaiju, and it seems like, uh, it seems like in the, the, the world of Rachel getting married of pieces of April, something along those lines. Ah. Um, and, and I think, I, I, I genuinely think as, as that kind of film, this would be fairly uninteresting. What I'm looking at it from is a film that takes a big, I actually do believe that this is an action, uh, action film, a big sort of blockbuster film, but with a real heart and soul to it and trying to do something different with, with the big action set pieces, which is that it's trying to give those action really? moments some heart and weight. And again, and that's the thing. I don't, I, here, mm. That's the thing I care about. I, I think, I think the machinations between, um, between the Kaiju story and, and Gloria's story are really actually well considered and Hathaway's and, character's name is Gloria, by the way, we yeah. didn't say that. Um, <laughs> uh, I think they're really well considered. And I think I, I, to me, the, the Kaiju thing is actually the nexus it, it is the fulcrum of the story. It, it really is the soul of what the story is about. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> See, cause it was in, it was in soul guys. It took place when the monsters. Whoa. They, yeah. There yeah. We but go. Do you think they're good action scenes? I mean, if, I, if that's I think, the case, if this is actually a big action monster movie with heart, then let's talk about the monster movie in isolation. It's terrible. It's, it's, you know, there's not much going what, what's on. Terrible? What, well, what's I was gonna, terrible about it? I was going to say, I mean, I agree with CJ on this. It's weird. It's so weird. I agree with 50% of both of you, but like different parts of it. So it's yeah. hard. I'm like writing down notes to figure out what I'm trying to say. I don't think this is an action movie at all. I think this, I mean, the CG that they did for the monsters looks cool and it's comparable and it looks nice, whatever. But like you really see like one or two punches and a foot going through a building. Like, and it, I think that's all you need. To I see. understand that, but that doesn't make it an action movie. What that makes it is, is using Kaiju elements to sort of exacerbate the, the other tones that they're trying to do. And what I, what I think is important too is, and why I do think, uh, so I guess I just disagreed with Shahir and now I'm going to disagree with CJ. Yeah. <laughs> but so like, I think the Kaiju thing is very important when, uh, for two reasons. One, when looking at the sort of, you know, abuse that, uh, you know, addicts or even domestic violence things happen and the way society sort of looks at it. So for instance, whenever they step into, so whenever the Oscar played by Jason Sudeikis and Gloria played by Anne Hathaway step into this one playground that they have a history with in a childhood, they're exactly one way across the world. Their monsters show up. She's the big lizard monster. He's the robot, right? They get into, they're like, they're standing there. And at first it's kind of playful before it gets bad after a couple times, but they like fight. They physically fight and then the monsters physically fight. Mm -hmm. And when this happens, you hear people in, in windows, yeah. uh, in, in adjoining buildings in America, in the town that they're in, not in, not in Seoul, in South Korea, you hear people cheer yeah. like, and just cheer the violence that's happening because they're, they're loving watching the spectacle of these big, these big monsters punching each other. Now that's not the spectacle we're seeing. We don't see it at all. I understand Shahir because you do hate mindless action, AKA fun uh, <laughs> that you would, you would think this is uh, better or maybe this is like, maybe this, you can just sort of project enough action through it where like you, you I don't know that this is, this sates that whatever part of your lizard brain that you need for that sort of thing. You need it to be a little bit higher brow, the, but the, 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 it's all sort of just, it's, it's emotional weight as opposed to action weight. And then two, the, the, the idea that they're using Kaiju in this sort of way and this sort of big monster movie, trope and not showing the action, but really, really doubling down on the addiction metaphors, I think is a helpful 
thing for, again, I mean, it, it, look, it might be a very specific Venn diagram, but nerdy people who have had to deal with this shit. And because a lot of that stuff doesn't really uh, come into play in a lot of the stuff that's sort of made for that demographic. And I think it's just another, it's a good way to have that conversation uh, in a genre, even if it kind of tricks you uh, trying to get people involved and sort of thinking about it. Um, I think you've hit a, a nail on a head there, Matt. I think that the kaiju is a gimmick to get people in and then give them a story about something else. Yeah, I mean, and I think it feels like a gimmick. It right. definitely it it feels like a gimmick. Uh, but I would say this because I know Shahir and I have even argued about the definition of a gimmick. Mm. It is a gimmick, but it is a successful gimmick. Like I think it 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 gets you in, and you're hundred percent right. But then there's moments like the cheering or the moments when uh, she's actually defeated. He has already knocked her down after actually literally punching her in the face, and then is stomping around oh, in this sandbox. It's it's beautiful. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But that wouldn't work without the kaiju gimmick. It just wouldn't work with this thing that like we never see the destruction of Sudeikis stomping on people and destroying a neighborhood, but we see Anne Hathaway's reaction to it and kind of reaching out to him, and all we see is him just stomping in a sandbox. Yeah, and because that gimmick. That that scene wouldn't work if the gimmick didn't work. Now, CJ, did, what did you think of that scene in particular? It, did that work for you, or were you just so <laughs> just done with this movie? Not at all. Not at all. I really dis disliked that scene. I thought it was very bad, very heavy handed, and it it came to epitomize where the movie had reached for me. So I was kind of done with the movie. And then when I saw that scene, I was like, oh my goodness. It really <laughs> felt like, you know, they they'd got the hammer into the, they got the nail into the piece of wood 38 <laughs> minutes ago. Yeah. And they were still <laughs> hammering it. And every time you saw one of his feet come down oh. in slow motion, I just thought, oh I, my God, they think I'm an idiot. That's so strange. <laughs> I, I just, I, this whole thing like ages ago. Uh, I just, I couldn't disagree with you more on that, CJ. I, I really, I love that moment because I think that the, the thing that was interesting there to me was the escalation and the dips of, of Sudeikis's character and what, uh, his name is Oscar, by the way, and what he was like willing to do in order to maintain power over Gloria at this point. And, and you know, just another, I mean, I guess, you know, um, I'm, I'm looking at it as, as a genre exercise perhaps, and a, as a genre film. And just the other side of it that I, I love is, is that this is a, this is a film with a budget of $15 million, whereas Pacific Rim is a, is a film about, is a film with a budget of $180 million. I just don't think this movie and Pacific no, Rim and hold on a second. Well, no, no, they're not. You're right. They're not, they're, they're not, uh, together. But my point here is, is that, I don't care about anything that happens in Pacific Rim. I really don't care. And Pacific Rim has some of the most beautiful big action sequences by one of the big, you know, best visual stylist working directors in Hollywood. What my point is, is that this makes me care about the destruction of a city without even showing me the destruction of a city. And it does that through by investing the emotional weight behind why that destruction is happening. It's not just a mindless monster. It is, uh, it is a creature with, um, emotional dips that have been mined to a point that are so far below what is normally is a normal human level. And I, I, I'm invested in that. And I think that the final scene, the, the classic battle between the two monsters is, is, has emotional weight to it. And I found it rousing and I was really invested in it. Well, the classic and, scene wasn't a classic scene because the monsters didn't actually fight at the end. It that's was, that's yeah. my point. No, but, I know, but, I but, but they do, they do fight. They, they come together for the final showdown in that scene. Well, that's the characters what, do, the monsters don't. Yeah, but that's what that scene is about. It is about the final confrontation between these two characters, sure. right? And that's what. It's and, just and, when and, you and, say, when you, you say two monsters fight, and, that's not what happened. Well, I mean, it's the same, to me, it's the same metaphorical thing that what happens when Godzilla fights Mothra at the end, except I don't care when Godzilla fights Mothra at the end. I care when these two characters fight at the end and it doesn't, they don't even have to come to blows. One just grabs the other and throws them. And that's enough for me because I care about the emotional weight behind that action. I get what you're saying. I think it's just the terminology is, is what's throwing. Right. When I, when I say fight, you mean that someone has to throw a punch. I, I, I mean, when you say when two monsters start fighting like Godzilla and Mothra, that I picture two monsters fighting like Godzilla and Mothra. This is literally, and just so I want to explain this just for people. If, if you've been listening to this and you don't, yeah. <laughs> this must be mind numbing because you don't, if you haven't seen the film, but basically um, Anne Hathaway's character, Gloria figures out that, oh, if she actually goes to Seoul where the monsters are appearing, 
appearing, then she will appear in the hometown near the sandbox where they've been the entire time as the monster. And she can then have the power back to confront uh, Oscar. Right. And uh, then she literally, um, and again, at this moment, it does the movie itself kind of breaks its own rules because they're not supposed to be able to see what's going on. But she like guesses where he'd be standing based on like a thing and like grabs him and all this stuff. But again, whenever you try to logic with this film, especially, oh God, the, the flashbacks, it just is awful. Um, but uh, I just think the confrontation is great for me at the end. But again, I want to go back to CJ's point. Mm-hmm. about how everything is slow and monotonous because I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. But for 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 me, that slow, monoton, re- re- monotonous, repetitive garbage, which you'd be watching and in a film not about something that when you experience it is slow and painful, monotonous and garbage, uh, it would break it. But because it is about an experience like that, it just hit further home for me. It's so weird to be like, it doesn't work, so it works. <laughs> I don't know. The only, uh, the only, um, before we give uh, CJ the final word on this film, oh, yeah. uh, the only thing that I was kind of like, I thought was a little bit of a missed opportunity was like a little bit of a broader political context that they could have done with this film, where the actions of a few uh, drunk Americans has like um, global uh, global ramifications halfway across the world that they're not even aware of, and they and they kind of make fun of, you know, like uh, Jason Sudeikis gets drunk and starts taunting the financial district of Seoul at one point. It kind of reminded me of like one of the best scenes in the Day After Tomorrow, that that awful Roland uh, Emmerich film, where yeah. where um, you know <laughs> you're being chased by climate change and Americans are trying to cross the border to Mexico and, and Mexico closes the border off, so people are having to jump the border order in Mexico. I thought that was like kind of just a little sly political commentary that could have been made with this film in terms of like the role that America has in like global devastation, I guess, so to speak. Uh, The film doesn't really get into that. And I was kind of hoping that it would, but maybe it's implied anyway. Um, CJ, uh, I don't disagree with any point that you've made. Uh, I just, I feel like this film worked for me for the reasons I've outlined, but uh, go ahead and have the, you know, like have at it. (laughs) Oh no no no! I mean, I think I think we've we've talked it to death. I think uh, uh, my point is, my attitude and yours and uh, Matt's. I think the, we you know we've all got our own opinions on it. What didn't work for me worked for you guys. I think we all saw the same movie. Right. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just there. I just I feel that it wasn't executed well enough. Like I think maybe the ideas are good, but it it's just been badly brought to fruition and. I don't know, or to put it another way, I feel like you guys are, are making excuses for it a little bit. <laughs> I, think that, I think that because the ideas are interesting, you think that's kind of good enough. And I think it's the ideas might be interesting, but the movie that has resulted from the ideas is not worthy of them. I, I, I you know what? Uh, sorry to interrupt, but I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, I think for me, the ideas are so interesting and so compelling that, that I am, I, I'm not willing to overlook the problems that this film has because it has many, many problems, but I do, I'm willing to cheer a movie that, that is ambitious and falls as opposed to a movie that, uh, is not ambitious and gets there. And I disagree with both of you. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I just, uh, I just think it's very interesting that this is the first film in a long time where I feel like it's flaws of which there are many, uh, like CJ, I think I'm guilty of what you're describing a lot, uh, <laughs> in, in things that I love. Um, I don't think if, again, it's, it's kind of a personal thing, but for this movie, it's not because I can literally say with a straight face, if you're going, if, if you're, if you're going into this for like a fully enjoyable film, I would say it's not. Um, but if you're going in, it, but no, I'm serious. But if you're going in for a really interesting look at, at, um, if if you've never experienced sort of you know uh, you know addict behavior or dealing with someone close like that, and it, for whatever reason, if you're a, a weird sick person that wants to experience that without experiencing it, uh, this movie does it incredibly well. Not only with its characters, but through all of its flaws that make you infuriated at it, much like you do in that situation. But again, I it's 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 so interesting, both uh, Shahir and CJ, that like. We we did all see the same movie, and I think we all agree that we and we like, all like, agree. Like if no if we were going on a technical level, we've all said the exact same thing. Like as far <laughs> as you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's the emotions behind it um, 
that that whether it be because you really want a great idea to work or history with subject matter or you know whatever it is or 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 none of the above it, or it's, shifting a, a genre sideways sure uh it, that's it's yeah. it's very interesting to me how it sort of hit us all very very <laughs> very differently um yeah, it lost me in the second act. I got bored. I started to think about other things, and it obviously managed to hold you two. And that's that's kind of one. That's kind of a fundamental difference. Yeah. Like the movie lost my attention. It held me kicking and screaming. Uh, um, I will say that it didn't actually hold me in a nice way. It held me in a very, very CJ, way. CJ, hey, Matt, can I ask you? Uh, I yeah. want to recommend a film to you. Have you seen 2012 movie by James Consult called Smashed? Yeah. No, I have not. Really I'll write that down. Yeah, yeah very Aaron good film. Paul and Nick Offerman. I'll write that down. Yeah, Ooh. film film about that it deals with alcoholism. Brilliant, independent yeah. film about a young woman with alcoholism, and it's right. fantastic. Yeah, cool. Well, when I want to feel like <laughs> when I want to feel down again, I'll do that. CJ, can I ask you a question? Would you watch another film from Nacho uh, Vigalanda? Oh yeah, I'm going to watch Time Crimes in the next couple of days. If, if I hadn't recommended, if I hadn't recommended Time Crimes, would you would you on the basis of this film watch a future film from him? No. <laughs> no, I, no I, I didn't think this film was well directed at all. Wow. You know, that's, that's, I think it's problem is its direction because obviously, as I've said, I do think the ideas are interesting and I'm happy to watch a film that switches gears halfway through and becomes something very different to what you think is going to be. And I'm absolutely happy to watch films about alcoholism and I'm happy to watch films about domestic violence. I think, I, I do think the execution of this film is poor. And, and just besides the other things I've said and we've said, I do think that those logic holes also contribute to its poorness. I think if you are going to run with this metaphor, I think all of that stuff that we're sort of blowing aside is really important because it pulls you out of the film. If you're saying to yourself, hang on, why are those people still going back there? If you're saying to yourself, hang on, how did she figure out that she could go to Soul and Sand in that particular place and that would enable her to become a monster in the sandpit and grab him? If you're asking yourselves those questions, that's, that's poor filmmaking. I uh, I will disagree, but I'll uh, <laughs> I'll hand it over to to Matt to pull us out of this this the colossal hole that we've fallen down with the three of us like lying fighting kaiju style over this movie. Oh man, I call Mechagodzilla all day every day. <laughs> uh, well, this has been the only <laughs> this has been the only podcast about the film Colossal. CJ, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, when when you are not literally being the embodiment of a battle halfway across the world, like took place in this movie. Where can folks find you? Okay. So read my written reviews, including my written review of Colossal at filmmafia.com.au. That's filmmafia, all one word, .com.au. And you can subscribe there for free. Join over eight and a half thousand other subscribers. You'll get it delivered into your inbox. No ads, no hassle. Um, watch my web show watch this on skippy tv s-k-i-p-i dot tv and listen to my podcast movie land which is hosted by abc the australian broadcasting corporation just look for movie land on itunes and if you look for the episode on the salesman you'll hear me discussing that with shahir and we totally agree the entire way through that one the I, salesman i think i and the weird thing is i think we agree most of the time this is this has been the first but i i i enjoyed uh, hearing your point of view on it and I, I don't dis, I don't you know like it's not a case where I'm like disagreeing with you or thinking that you've lost the plot or anything I just think we just have different opinions on this movie <laughs> which is I, good I agree. now let me throw up one other theory that mm -hmm. some critics are throwing around Ooh. about this movie mm -hmm. that I don't ascribe to it I think they're I think they are once again also <laughs> giving it too much credit but some people are saying that this movie is about not just male violence and male bullying, but specifically about male bullying within the nerd community and within the video game community and about Gamergate. Huh. Huh. Now I'm, I, you know, I'm one of those people that have heard the term Gamergate and thought about it a little bit. And I think, and I think specifically that the scene that you're referring to is when Anne Hathaway says to Jason Sudeikis, you really hate yourself, don't you? You can't stand uh, who you are inside and it's, it's tearing, it's tearing you apart. I, would I be wrong in saying it's that scene that, that kind of is the anchor to hold on to that theory? Well, I guess, I guess just the idea that, 
I guess Gamergate uh, represents on a larger level the concept of males who refuse to let females into the nerd community, whether it's video games or stand-up comedy or sci-fi films or whatever. And so they they express it by trollism. <laughs> and, you know, whether it's the girl who, you know, whether it's the all-female Ghostbusters or whatever, yeah. you know, there are these there are these male trolls that band together and become deliberately very sexist and misogynistic and basically buoy each other up in doing so. And some people see that this movie is actually aimed at them. I don't because think... Jason Sudeikis represents them. Yeah, I mean, I think... Again, if that is the case, I think that's people bringing stuff to the table that's already been set. Uh, I don't I don't think that that uh, this film sort of set out to sort of be that. I think it deals with a lot of psych- psychological and socioeconomical, um, uh, I guess, uh, tropes that sort of interconnect. But I don't think. I think it's broader than that. I think maybe the fact that it is mixed with the Kaiju movie, I could see, you know, people are like, Oh, that's why it's mixed like that. Like, no, I just think he tried to do something interesting, whether he passed or failed. I think, I think that's a good example of, uh, the Roland Barthes, um, essay, uh, the death of the author, which we talked about briefly, uh, on one of our episodes a while back, which is the, the, uh, ability for the audience to infer what they believe to be true on a film, as opposed to what, and, and the, what the film actually does is is not as not as important um yeah yeah, yeah. you know i i yeah i don't i don't think that the film is dealing in that in that way but i think you could certainly see elements of this sort of uh recent no it's not even a recent phenomenon but the idea of the troll uh as a character um you know the internet troll you could see it in the the u.s election you go to the the donald on on reddit or something like that you know you could you could see that same metaphor playing out but i don't necessarily believe they're just doing it for the lols guys (laughs) just being horrible human beings for the lols uh shahir let's we got to wrap this up i don't want to i don't want to keep cj hasn't eaten breakfast yet that's true cj hasn't eaten breakfast (laughs) Uh, we've been making him recount this film he hates for an hour cj is it going to be wheat mix or vegemite which which of the two (laughs) Oh, of those two, I would always have Vegemite. Uh, right a flag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a true Kiwi because I'm not. I'm, I'm not a. I'm not a fan of Vegemite or Marmite. Shahir, uh, when you're not quizzing CJ on his breakfast uh, preferences, where can folks find you? You can find me at www.shahirdaud.com. <laughs> That's S H A H I R D A U D. I am not a whore for Marmite, um, but uh, Vegemite <laughs> on occasion. Vegemite with cheese sometimes. Uh, you can find me at Emperor MSK on Twitter, Skeletor, the number four PREZ on Instagram. Got a great dance from a wedding on there if you want to check that out. And uh, you can find me in my life and works at uh, Matthew Kroll. That's M-A-T-T-K-A-G-W-K-R-O-L.com. Also, uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you like us. We love stars. Uh, also, you can always find all of our stuff on our website. That's onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You know, uh, CJ, more and more we have to make these sort of excuses in our own timelines and genres to, to really make sure we are the only podcast about movies when we have people with other movie podcasts on the show. <laughs> um, so let's see, how would we make this work in our current timeline? Well, I think here's the way I would do it is that at eight Oh five every day, we start a podcast, which starts an inverse podcast in Australia uh, which is which is a direct parallel of us because you know we've already established that CJ is my brother from another mother from a in a family in a cinematic point of view. Sure, <laughs> CJ, any ideas? I didn't like Shahir's. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out one you, day. You called yourself the only podcast about movies, and then you boxed yourself into a corner <laughs> at that. Moment. Oh no! I will logic my way out of this, sir. One day. Anyway, uh, guys, this has been an awesome discussion. Um, thank you, CJ. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. And, uh, we will see you next week. I want to go out now with our biggest, uh, kaiju roars we can do. And we'll end with CJ. Shahir, go first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was was some metal. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Yeah.